from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. For Juan Fernandez, Pride Month is about celebrating who you are and your differences. It's also a chance for credit unions to send a message to the LGBTQ community that they are an ally and welcome them into the credit union. I'm Jennifer Plager, Managing Editor with CUNA News. I recently spoke with Fernandez, President and CEO of the Credit Union Association of New Mexico. Fernandez talked about what Pride Month means to him, why it's important for credit unions to reach out to the LGBTQ community, how diversity will strengthen the credit union, and more. Juan, it's June and it's Pride Month, a month-long celebration for the LGBTQ community. What does Pride mean to you and to the credit union community? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to meet you, Jennifer. And I was really excited to be asked to join you today on this Pride Month. And Pride, from my perspective, it means a lot because it's all about celebrating who you are, celebrating your differences. And to be honest with you, that's something that I've struggled throughout my life. So I've come to a place in my career and in my life where I have finally been able to accept myself and bring my whole self to the credit union movement. And it makes a huge difference. And that's what Pride is all about. And I know we're going to get to discuss some of the statistics, but the reality is, is that the queer community has so much to benefit from credit unions. So for credit unions to signal and send a clear message to the community that they are an ally, that they embrace them, that they welcome them in the credit union will make a huge difference in the lives of folks that are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Before we get into talking about how credit unions can serve the LGBTQ community, let's back up a little bit. And what's your credit union story? How did you end up where you are today? Thanks for asking, Jennifer. So I moved to upstate New York in 1996 to start high school. I moved from Puerto Rico to upstate New York. And at the time, I was supposed to be only there for a year to learn English. And I am still learning English, apparently, because we ended up staying in the mainland And that very first year, I spent a lot of time with my English teacher and her husband, and she was one of my first mentors and really someone that grabbed my hand and really helped me learn English and really get acclimated. So her husband had been at the time was a VP at a local community bank. And I had expressed to her that I had an interest in banking. And she told me, well, I'm glad you're mentioning this because my husband at the bank that he works at, they run an internship program. So when you're a senior in high school, you can be part of this internship program and you get credit, you go to school part-time, half the day, and then half the day you go and you get some actual experience and you get credit for that. So I did that. For that senior year of high school, I was a teller at a local community bank. And shortly thereafter, after that was done... I met someone who was a manager at a credit union and he came over to me and he told me, look, if you know, I, I really think you would love working in the credit union movement. Not only can you probably get paid a little bit more, but you can really build a career in the movement. This person happened to be actually a gay man. So he talked to me about how he loved being able to be himself and bring his whole self to the credit union. And the rest was history. I I applied. I started at that credit union. And that's how I ended up in credit unions. I worked in credit unions throughout college. I ended up working at three different credit unions. And then eventually 
worked at the New York Credit Union Association, at the time, the New York State Credit Union League. I was in charge of community development. So that's how it all came to be. It was very interesting. I really believe that it's important to surround yourself with great mentors and people that help you throughout the career, especially people that are like you and that make you feel welcomed. And without those people that I met along the way, I'm not sure I would have ended up in credit unions. And it's been a huge blessing because I've been able to, I hope I'm I'm able to really help credit unions grow and be themselves. And I myself have been able to build just a wonderful career that I'm really excited for and really, really proud of here in our movement. And you recently started a new position with the Credit Union Association of New Mexico. Congratulations. How does that feel? It feels great. You know, I've been now in the credit union movement for roughly 17, 18 years, and about 15 of those have been in credit union associations. So I feel like I've been building up to that. But at the same time, I've been able to work in very different credit unions and different associations. I worked in New York, three different credit unions, small, large. I worked at the New York Credit Union League, which is a very large association. I worked in New Mexico. And I've been able to meet some great mentors and great leaders along the way. Here in New Mexico, we just have some fantastic credit union leaders that I've learned a lot from. So I'm really excited to leverage those relationships, but also bring all that that I've learned in my career to help credit unions in New Mexico, to help them thrive, but also to leverage the cooperative and credit union movement for change. Because New Mexico, as you may be aware of, is a state that has a lot of challenges and opportunities. And credit unions are already doing so much. But I know that with the right leadership at the association, we're going to build on the great work they're already doing and do even more. Let's swing back to the LGBTQ community and and pride. Why is it important that credit unions pay attention to this community and try to reach out and serve them? So I'm going to take you back for a minute to my high school years. Just this last weekend, I watched the movie In the Heights. The reason that movie connected with me so well and so much is because it took me back to my high school years. It took me back to what it felt like when I was a freshman in high school and had just landed in the States. And first of all, it was really lonely. It was really lonely to be there and not know other people that spoke Spanish. I was the only person of color and the only out queer person in my high school. So it was really hard to be there. It almost felt like in the movie, one of the characters says, you feel like a little sand from the beach that's on its own. And that's how it felt. It was basically like a fish out of water. It was I didn't have any friends. I left all my friends behind, all my relatives behind, and the kids would make fun of me for my accent. And from there, I really went out of my way to get rid of my accent and to assimilate. And while I started doing much better as far as my grades and stuff, I really felt like I was almost betraying my community. And these are themes that you see in In the Heights. And that's why I really encourage everyone that's listening to go and watch the movie to learn more about what that journey is like, because it's not just about people that may be Hispanic. This transcends all of that. I remember I didn't talk about me being gay when I started working in a bank. And along the way, when I started college, I met some really great leaders in credit unions and also in the community that were Hispanic. 
and or gay. And it was then that I realized that I was really leaving a big part of myself at home that I was not bringing myself to work because I had been trying so much to be at the table. And it was at that point, which thankfully for me happened relatively early in my career that I realized, look, I can be at the table, but I could also build my own table and I could also bring myself to work and bring that diverse point of view. That's when I realized that I could be a much stronger leader when I bring my diversity to work. And not only that, but when I surround myself with diverse voices. So to answer your question, I think that the reason it's so important for the credit union movement to reach out and embrace the queer community is because the reality is, is that that diversity is going to strengthen the credit union. I think credit unions often struggle, especially if they've been tied to a SAG that may no longer be doing as well. It's like, well, how do we diversify? And I think you can't be everything to all people. You have to find those segments of the population that are not being served. And we may not think of the LGBTQ community as underserved, but the reality is, is that it is. I mean, just a couple of years ago, Iowa State University published some statistics. And the reality is, is that just from home mortgages, same-sex couples are 73% more likely to be denied than heterosexual couples. In that same vein, every year, same-sex couples pay about $86 million more in loans and interest and fees than heterosexual couples. And the reality is, is that that's happening because they're not going to credit unions. So our movement has a lot to offer to the queer community. And I think we have a lot to benefit by bringing them in. The reality is, is that queer community has quite a bit of discretionary spending. And I think it's just a win-win proposition. I think it makes business sense and it's also the right thing to do. Do you have any advice for credit unions in terms of how to reach out to this community or, or how to kind of serve them? Absolutely. The first thing that you need to do is make the determination that you do want to be part of that change. You do want to make folks from the LGBTQ community feel welcomed and make some strategic relationships with the community. Have some of your folks serve on boards of directors. Bring that talent to your credit union and empower them. Make them feel welcomed in your management team. And it has to be something that's genuine. And it's something that takes a long time. You have to build that trust. But having been a member of the queer community now for a long time, I think I came out when I was 16. So it's been a long time. I'll tell you that it's certainly a segment of the population that's underserved, but also it's one that not a lot of financial institutions have historically reached out to them in a genuine way. And there are plenty of not-for-profits that are doing some great work with queer youth, with serving the community in general, that they need the help of credit unions. And I think there's just a great opportunity for credit unions to reach out in a genuine way and build those relationships with those not-for-profits and those community members and really bring them into the credit union. So it sounds like it has to be more than just putting a rainbow flag on your logo in June and, and paying attention in June. It sounds like it has to be an everyday kind of effort. And like you said, really a genuine. It does. I think it's something that takes time, but I really do think it pays off. And it's really the future. The other thing is that when you make the decision to reach this underserved community and serve them, it's not just like you're serving just them in a vacuum. 
I think anyone that cares about change and helping underserved communities will see that outreach, that genuine outreach, and they will want to do more business with you. I think there's so many reasons why it makes good sense to do this. And like you said, Jennifer, it does have to be something that's genuine, that it's long-term. It's not like flipping a switch. We all know how hard it is to switch your financial institution account. So it's not like you can just flip a switch and have a thousand new members come join you. It's something that takes time. It's You have to really show that you are committed to understanding the needs of the community and bringing them in. The other thing is that there may be unique needs that the community in your city have that you may not be aware of. So joining the queer chamber of commerce, whatever it's called in your city, may be a great way to starting to have those conversations and better understanding the needs of the local community. And when you talk about the needs of the community, a lot of times people will automatically think, oh, we're talking loan products or we're talking savings products. It's not always the products and, and services. Sometimes it's just the the simpler stuff, like how a form is presented, correct? I mean, that's what I've heard from some folks. Absolutely. It's like, what kind of genders are you including in your forms? How easy is it for you to help members that may be transitioning their genders throughout that journey so that they feel respected and they feel welcomed at your institution? And it also means looking at your contributions, your giving. Is your giving going to places that are diverse, that are representative of the communities that you're trying to serve and welcome at your credit union? All of that goes into account. It has to be a strategy that's well-rounded. I mean, the same thing if you are trying to target other underserved growing demographics in your community, it all applies to that. And right now, when you look around the movement, you hear a lot about DEI and diversity, equity, and inclusion. This kind of fits right in with that whole conversation. It does. And I think, you know, DEI, I know it's the buzzword, but I like to think of it as not just DEI, but it's it's doing the right thing, not only because it's the right thing socially to do, but it's also you're keeping purpose constant at your credit union. We, I've been around the block for a while, like I said earlier, and We've been talking for decades now about the fact that we have an aging demographic, that the members out of our credit unions are leaving the the borrowing age. So we need to bring younger members. And the reality is, is that younger members are more diverse. Children are exponentially more diverse than the older populations. So if you want to keep your credit union growing and remain relevant in your community, the reality is you need to understand the segments of the population and welcome them into the credit union. I mean, I think it's as much about doing the right thing as it is about making sure that you survive and thrive into the future. So Juan, for credit unions that are out there that maybe they aren't reaching the LGBTQ community right now, as someone who's in the shoes of that prospective member, what kind of advice do you give them? What I usually tell them is you should, because the benefits of credit union membership are so profound. I remember in 2008, when we had the financial crisis and the the mortgage crisis, I mean, people were taking advantage. Here in New Mexico, we have so many payday lenders. We have so many loan sharks. So I think everyone should join a credit union. And I highly encourage them to look for a credit union that aligns with their values as a member of the queer community and join that credit union. For credit unions that are looking at 
starting on this journey, I know once again, it's not just that you can flip a switch and welcome them. It's also something that as a CEO of a credit union, if you want to start on this journey, there are hurdles. You have to get your board on board. You have to get your management team on board. So you have to start taking steps in that direction. I think it's also about like, what are you doing to recruit members of the queer community onto your board of directors. I think you have to be strategic about this and take the long-term view in order for you to effectively be able to start embracing the community. And it doesn't happen overnight and it's a long-term strategy. And you talk about, you know, you need board buy-in, you need executive management buy-in. What about for those credit unions that are seeing a little bit of resistance from those levels? How should they approach it? They need to build a business case for this. And there are some great resources in the credit union movement that can help them do that. There's a great group, CU Pride, that started a couple of years ago where the credit union can get to know other credit unions that are on this journey and learn from them. I think they can work with CUNA and their league to see credit unions in the local market that are doing this. And I think they need to build the business case because a lot of these older board members, that's what they're going to react to. It's like they need to see that business case. But very importantly, I think if we want our movement to change, our boards in the long term have to reflect the demographics that we are hoping to serve. So I think bringing some younger board members, some board members that may be people of color, people that are from the queer community, bringing those voices to the table is going to be really, really important. And once again, that doesn't happen overnight, but building those relationships with those groups locally is the first step. Having those conversations with the associations, it's a great step. Reaching out to CU Pride and joining that group and seeing what other credit unions are doing is something that's really, really important. But Once again, not to belabor the point, but I do think that if you want change, you're going to have to look at your management team, you're going to have to look at your boards, and you're going to have to prioritize that diversity that you're seeking. Juan, lots of great stuff that we've just talked about. Anything that I'm forgetting or that you think is important to mention and and get out there? The only other thing I'll say, Jennifer, is that if you look at the roots of credit unions, this is who we are. From the inception, you know, 100 years ago, when credit unions were starting to be formed at the state level and in the 30s when credit unions were formed nationally, the reality is, is that credit unions were formed to help people who lacked access, people who were working, who had jobs, but that were being turned away and ignored by the for-profit financial segments sector. So finding these pockets of the demographic that Not only are they needing our services, but also would really enrich and empower our credit unions. It's so important for us to remain relevant. So we're in Pride Month, and I I think this is a great month to get started on the journey. If you're already on this journey and you have started taking steps towards bringing and making the queer community feel welcomed, well, this is a great month to get farther into that journey and get more engaged. If you have not yet taken that first step, this is a great month to start learning and leaning into the resources in our movement and get started taking that first step in what is the journey to serving a more diverse membership. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 